0: Go. Go. I'm gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum and kick old trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the
1: drum and kick old trouble out the door. Kick
0: Well, 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 Radical Australia, once again here on Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The Empress, Her Right Royal Highness, the Empress Dowager-Dale Bridge, is unwell. She'll not be able to uh, operate. We do have a phantom panel operator who's come in and is running out of the studio. We are flying solo with a guest. But if there are technical issues, somebody out there in 3CR land will rush in and fix it. Because although our special guest, Mr. Richard Martin, Robert, Robert Martin. We'll say that Robert Martin. <laughs> I, did, I, I did remind you a few times. <laughs> I did that on purpose, because you reminded me. Ah, see, this is what happens. I don't like to be reminded that I'm demented and amnestic. Now, Robert.
1: Yes. is it Rob? Rob, Robert. No, no no, no,
0: no, no. What's on your birth certificate? Robert. Robert, all right, Robert, look, we, look, I don't know if you know anything about this show. We don't care if anybody listens, but people do listen. Fantastic. Because I'm going to take you apart over the next 56 minutes. Wow. I'm going to
1: dissect every little atom of your body. Well, this is going to be a good journey. And will you put me back together again? No.
0: You will not you leave me out there in pieces? <laughs> well, I said dissection. I didn't say. When you dissect a body... You don't put it back together. No, fair enough. I'm too. not doing surgery on you. I'm just dissecting yeah, you. Yeah, fair enough. So we're going to find the essence of Mr. Martin, Mr. Robert Martin. We only ask two questions. Now, th- think of this, you've been in a canoe, okay? You ever been in a canoe?
1: I have been in a canoe.
0: Yeah, have you paddled or have you just sat there? Well,
1: I prefer to just sit there. Right,
0: that, exactly. This is what happens. We'll be in a canoe. I'm paddling. We're going down this beautiful river. And there's little tributaries which are your life. And I occasionally will use the paddle to... Pushes in one direction, another Fantastic. direction. This is about Mr. Martin today. We know you have organising lots of wonderful things and very important things, and we will talk about them eventually. Are you reassured, Robert?
1: I'm reassured. I feel that I'm in very, very capable hands. Do you have a middle name? Daniel. Daniel, not Richard. <laughs> no, that's not Richard. We, we, we can just say it is for today, if you like. No, 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 no. All right. And we
0: only ask two questions. The first question will take ten seconds. The next question is fifty-four minutes. What year were you born? Just to orientate listeners.
1: 1972.
0: You're a youngster.
1: I am a youngster. I'm a baby. 72. Yeah. I
0: was 21 when you were born. Fantastic. <laughs> you're good with maths too. Yeah. I was just horrendous. That's horrendous that I was 21 when you were born. And you actually look older than me.
1: <laughs> well, I do. I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're looking great brilliant.
0: Thing, the great thing about radio is you can laugh <laughs> about your appearance. And uh, you and I have something in common. Because I understand you do a few shows here at 3CR. You know what we've got in common? What's that? We've got good faces for radio. We do indeed. We do indeed.
1: Beautiful face for radio.
0: So, What's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth as a child?
1: One of my first memories Mm. would be when I was probably two and a half or three. Right. I was in an adoption house. Mm. I was jumping on a trampoline and I hit my head. Mm. How do you know you were in an adoption house? Because I was two and a half and I know that I was adopted. And so I'm very familiar. So I wasn't an early uh, adoptee. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was raised in in different houses for a while. Mm -hmm. But I bumped my head on this trampoline. Right. And after that, they got rid of the trampoline. They don't blame them. And so I think that's one one of the things that uh, I do remember. And Mm -hmm. they put these big... Poles up instead, so the kids could run, but right. couldn't do a lot else. So that would be one of my first memories on playing. So when Earth. you
0: say it's an adopted house, what do you mean by an adopted house? Foster was care it home run, by the, care so run by the
1: nuns. So for for kids that were yeah. lost, right. dumped, With wherever, yeah. whatever.
0: So you were born in here in Melbourne, or born in Footscray, in Melbourne? Footscray, yeah. in Melbourne. And do you know anything about your parents?
1: Well, I I do, mm. I do. You don't have to talk about no, it. No, 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 nothing's good. off limits here. All right. Well, tell us about them. So I, um, so I was adopted. Remember my adoptee parents mm-hmm. that adopted me. Mm-hmm. One of my second memories is being on my father's shoulders, right. walking down St Kilda. In fact, I was on his shoulders, mm-hmm. St Kilda Beach, telling everybody that this was my new dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I was holding him onto his beard, right from his the ear. top there. You've got yeah. a beard there, <laughs> just for yeah. the listeners out there. Yeah. Um, and so from there, I was adopted and I moved on and, and lived mm-hmm.
0: with them. So, so you actually, you actually. Uh, were Not foster anymore, you're actually legally adopted? Legally adopted. Uh, um, yeah. So I was one of bad. the first
1: late adoptions because normally right. they do it as, a, uh, as gotcha. an infant yeah. and then if you don't get adopted you know, mm-hmm. by a couple of years old, what they do is they'll put you into foster care forever.
0: Mm. Let's talk about your adopted parents first because obviously they did most of the work with you. Um, Are they still alive?
1: No, both passed
0: away. Passed away. So both you can passed. tell us what they were like.
1: Uh, so b- brilliant people, very, very good people. Probably not capable of taking on a child mm-hmm. of like mine, like yeah. me, mm-hmm. uh, for the simple reason that uh, with, if you have a certain past where you're dumped, you're left, neglected, and so forth, and then you come into the hands of some loving parents, you'll probably never really learn to love them. Mm-hmm. They did everything they possibly could. Fantastic parents. My father was a professor of languages, mm-hmm. or a reader at Melbourne University, yeah. uh, taught Swedish, he was knighted by the Swedish king for all the work he did for Sweden. Uh, so he was a, as a gentle man, a little bit of a temper, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but kind hearted. My mother was a strong woman, um, a little bit sickly. Mm-hmm. She had polio as a, as a child, and I think she never really recovered from this. Right. Uh, very, very strong. But again, um, found it hard to deal with somebody like mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. because I came. As a, a, a rocket or a you know, bomb. A, a little package. I was a, a little a package. A little package. A very good looking little package. But exploded very <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Yeah. Later on. Absolutely. So, but, you know, yeah, I mean, so they, so they saved they my lived, life. They lived,
0: they lived in Melbourne?
1: Lived in Melbourne. Yeah. And, uh, how, and long,
0: how long uh, did you stay with
1: them? So, look, I moved out when I was 14, 14. 14 years oh, right. old. So we'll I was we'll there from back. four to 14. Yeah,
0: we'll go back. So did you have any, uh, any brothers or sisters there? At the, or was there so different? I had another adopted brother. His yeah.
1: name is Nigel. Uh, um, he's still around? He's still around. I haven't seen him for... Yeah. Five or six years, right. but uh, so he was adopted at four and a half. And so, are they
0: older parents? Or older parents. Older, what in their forties when they adopted you?
1: Uh, probably a little bit older than that. So it was almost like that extra generational gap. And yeah, so when so we went to you know the functions, the school functions, yeah, yeah, people yeah. would ask, "Is that your grandparents?" Yeah. Uh, and so you know
0: that type of thing. So let's get back to your biological parents. Um, did you find out much about them?
1: I did, and so growing up, I always had a sense of something was missing. Mm-hmm. So I never connected with my adopted families, but I never wanted to reach out to my original parents or my blood parents. Mm-hmm. Never had that feeling. Mm-hmm. My brother did, and my cousins all did. And I used to think, "What are they doing? What's the interest?" What These do you mean? Per- your, what do you mean, your brother? So my brother found his original parents. My adopted brother.
0: All oh, right. So, but they weren't the same parents as yours. No. 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 So right. he, he
1: went and found his, you know, his parents, and you know, he, he enjoyed it. Right. I vowed never to do it. Right. Both of my adopted parents died within about a 12 or 18-month period of cancer. Mm -hmm. I decided that I probably should try and find out what medical history potentially that I may have. And so I started on a little bit of a journey Mm -hmm. to find my parents. And I found them probably maybe six years ago. I found both of them. Mm -hmm. I don't talk to either of them. No, no. That's fair enough. But you found them. So I found them. I, uh, I was hoping that my father was going to be a highly successful uh, – sorry, a very unsuccessful person with no hope.
0: Right. And he wasn't. <laughs>
1: and he wasn't. And, and the reason I wanted that is yeah. that, uh, you know, you don't want to find out that your father was actually quite well off living yeah. in a very, very good street in Melbourne, Coon mm-hmm. Road, and put his other kids through private school. Right. I wanted, a, you know, a, a person that actually had a legitimate excuse yes. for saying, hey, I'm never, never going to try and find this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I met him a few times, right. um, and I have, you know, I feel a bit bad about that because I relieved him of guilt. Mm-hmm. You relieved his guilt? Because he saw me, I'm successful, right. um, and, and those sorts of things, and it was sad, but I had a, I'll never forget the feeling, driving on the freeway, mm-hmm. to meet him for the first time, because I got his phone number, I rang him, I was in the car when I was speaking to him, and I went straight to him. So there wasn't a huge amount of time for my body to adjust, right. and... Something that adopted people feel a lot is the fact that when you 're growing up there 's nobody ever that 's blood relative to you you don 't have anybody that looks like you mm-hmm. so i 'd never looked like my mother or my father, mm-hmm. and my brother was a redhead right. so we did not look like uh, okay. each other at all, yeah. and so I always had that, mm-hmm. and so I was you know really excited with the anticipation nervousness yeah. you know when I saw it yeah. yeah. Obviously, he's not as good-looking as me, but, you know, yeah, how he's, he's, you know, he's, a there was some, he's a bit older, but there was some similarities. So, uh, so that, that's one of the most amazing feelings that I ever felt in my life. Um, you know, the euphoria, going through all of that is a, is a bizarre experience, a very, very bizarre experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your mother? Your blood mother? So my blood mother I found maybe six or nine months after that. Yeah. Um, I found out again in a day. I in fact was trying to find a sister of mine right. who had met me when she was, when I was 20. She said to me, Rob, I always wondered where you went. Always wondered. I'm now able to find you. She had a tattoo of uh, my name on her wrist. Yeah. And at this time, when I was 18, I couldn't, I didn't have the capacity to be there for her. Right. So I didn't. Well, not long after, well, you know, five years ago, I went to find her. I couldn't find her. I found out that she was had passed away, yeah. but the person that told me that she'd passed away actually said, well, do you want to speak to your mother? I have her number. Right. So I rang this woman, mm-hmm. and she almost collapsed when I said, you know, I'm Robert. Okay. And again, I got in the car and I drove to Warrnambool right. to go and meet this woman, mm-hmm. uh, which again was a you know, very very... Moving experience, and, and it really is very hard to explain. But it's a three and a half hour drive it is. to it go is. to Warrnambool, right. and you have all of these feelings. You know, what mm-hmm. am I doing? Do I really want to do this? I wonder yeah. what they're going to say. Yeah. And so I got down there and I met them, and you know, they had a brother and a sister and a couple of nieces. Right. Uh, so that was um,
0: were these half brothers and sisters? Half brothers yes. and sisters. Right. It's quite interesting that they both wanted to meet you because sometimes parents don't, blood parents don't want to meet children.
1: I, I wondered that, um, and so b- both of my parents told me that they had always thought of me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My question to that is, well, you can think, but why wouldn't you find out? Mm-hmm. There was more of a, an excuse for my mother. Mm-hmm. She lives in a in a in the, probably the worst housing commission area in Warrnambool. Mm-hmm. It looks like the houses, are, you know, are ready to fall down ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's a very simple woman. Uh, she was young when she had me.
0: How, well, how old was she?
1: Uh, I think she was in about twenty, I about 20, twenty. But uh, w- when I had all the files given to me from the police about me, mm-hmm. they said that she was a very simple lady, a very simple mm-hmm. girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she was abused by her parents, and so she had more of a, you know, an excuse she to say that I can't handle this, right, this, no. uh, this boy. She kept my sister, mm-hmm. but she was in a very abusive relationship. Around that time, my sister was put in um, intensive care yeah. from having a fractured skull because she was beaten, mm. and this was the same sort of time, mm. and so she couldn't handle both. So I was mm. sort of shipped off. Mm. Uh,
0: so, so, so your father was not involved at all
1: in your care at any stage. No, yeah. no. Well, at the start he was, mm. but then my mother supposedly got involved with some bikies, and right. he was a little bit, uh, you know, a bit more in, in easy to intimidate. He didn't want to come around, and he sort of their paths. Disappeared. Right, right. And, and look, this happens.
0: Well, in the 70s, it was quite regular. You 100%. 100%.
1: Said, a different world. But different in the world. 80s and the 90s, yeah. when you got some money mm. and you wonder, you know, I did have a son, mm. wonder what happened. Mm. You know, there was my sister Janice was murdered. Mm. Uh, and I wonder whether or not, you know, they thought, oh, you know, maybe I, there's another son out there, maybe I should try and find her. But mm. bite a bite, but, but what the, can you the, do?
0: The, these are the only two children your blood mother had, you and your sister. Yeah. And so, when your
1: sister was murdered, she never... No, no, so, so she had two, two, daughters two daughters and one son. Right. That and so it. the yeah. eldest was, you know, a little bit older than me, yeah. and the other one's uh, younger than me. Right, so.
0: right. All right, so it's a very difficult journey you've had. It's difficult intellectually and emotionally. Well, it's Are not the normal journey that people have, you know. Well, the, no, no, it's the not. The family Christmases, the family barbecues, the family birthdays, the family pictures, you know, all the things that you haven't had, although you had elderly adopted parents, older adopted parents. Well, it's, it's funny you say
1: that mm-hmm. is, with, with the birthdays and Christmases, mm-hmm. because still today, I struggle with Christmas. Mm-hmm. Birthdays, I don't do a birthday. I can't have a party about myself. You know, I've had, you know, people in the past organize me a surprise, Mm -hmm. but I find out I don't go. Mm -hmm. So these days I spend Christmas basically on my own Mm -hmm. Um, because I was raised, I think, you know, in an area where Christmas was something that I I didn't enjoy. And then over the journey, you put it off. Mm -hmm. And I suppose, you know, logically you think it's so silly. You know, I've got three kids, three beautiful kids. I should be able to enjoy it. Mm Well, even with their birthdays, I feel a sense of, um, I suppose, disconnection Mm. from it. And, you know, we're we're definitely moulds of our past, Mm. which, you know... We
0: are. We We don't realise how much genetics plays. It's an extraordinary (laughs) amount. It is amazing. It is amazing. People talk about nurture, 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 but you start start off with this little bundle that's got all the... uh, pathways there, all the DNA, all Absolutely. ready to yeah. go, go its own journey. Now getting back uh, to school, so obviously you had a little, what, you had an interesting time at school when you were in primary Funny I funny might ask that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a, uh, you know, for people that, people that are listening, yeah. we, we haven't had a chat before here either, but yeah. I, obviously, you know, with the past that I've had, that I may have had a, an interesting childhood, yeah. so I was expelled in grade two.
0: Grade two. Oh, that's not as good as one of our interviews. Uh, grade two. Sli- <laughs> one of our was expelled
1: in prep. Wow. So, well, but you're doing well. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, you're no. the second, you came second. Yeah, yeah, no. so, so, grade two, I was expelled physically from, from the school. I was what, throwing what, stones what, through the stone. headmaster's window. Right. But, like most kids would run away, I would yeah. stand there as proud as punch and then I'd say, it's this. me. Yeah. Yeah. Just going back, I it also was asked to leave um, Bible school or church school. Before that So yeah. there might be <laughs> oh,
0: that's, that's not bad what, 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 If you're a devil worshiper Or something you say, Well I just couldn't concentrate
1: You right. know the young yeah. kids Bouncing off the walls okay. And so your grade 2 I was uh, told to leave Deep down primary school mm. um, I remember I remember those Those times briefly And then I went to another school uh, You know I had some in- Interesting times there
0: mm. What do you mean interesting Can you tell us uh, Well you know Lots of trouble Trouble right well, You were the kid Who was in trouble All the time
1: The kid that um, I think you know Because you don't you don't intellectualise what's going on. No. And you're trying to fit in, mm. but you don't fit in. Mm. And there's, you know, these things. And, you know, obviously, when you're growing up, you assume that everybody's just been adopted and, you know, everyone's yeah. the same, but we act yeah. differently. Yeah. Uh, and so, yes, unfortunately, I, you know, expelled in grade two. Um, you know, I was expelled in year nine and ten right. so uh, so so from different private the, schools. So, but <laughs>
0: did, you, did you finish – obviously, you finished your primary school at the second primary school, did you? I did. Yeah. And did, yeah. did you learn the basics?
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. of course, of course, course. Well, I can Of read course, I, I learnt the basics I can it. I can read and write No, but I
0: mean then in, in, You did intellectually Yeah, yeah, yeah no, intellectually okay. I was okay yeah. Intellectually okay You didn't have issues, issues no, 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 I didn't
1: yeah. I mean, my, my main issue was, mm. Um, mm. Is, is concentration And look, I still have that today I'll probably get up and walk out in a minute <laughs> well, No, I won't <laughs> Well, you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can. I, I um, and it's you know it's a concentration thing, and it's a you know hyperactivity right. thing, right. Uh, which can be a positive thing too. It can. So, be. It
0: gives you energy, a lot of energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, but I got a, I got uh, expelled from uh, Murrumbina High in Year Ten, mm-hmm. and so I ended up doing uh, Year Eleven and Twelve in one year. Let us go back at Swinburne. Let's
0: go back a few steps. You said you left home at fourteen. Fourteen. All right. So, any particular reason that drove you out?
1: A very unhappy home life, mm-hmm. um, a sense of guilt because I was making my parents who had given up everything, mm-hmm. their life horrible too. Right. There was violence mm-hmm. in the house mm-hmm. from both right. both sides. Mm-hmm. My parents used to tried everything to try and control me. Mm-hmm. The wooden spoon, the strap. Yep. Mum and Dad would sit on me in the hallway. Yep. They would call neighbours. Mm-hmm. They would call their uncles and aunts. Right. And so, as a child, when you're going through those horrible times, mm. you don't understand what's going on, mm. and it's a horrible feeling, mm. because you want to be loved, you want to be accepted, but for whatever reason, you're rebelling against everything. Mm. And I was getting kicked out a lot, um, so in the end, I went and lived with a, a, a couple of friends who were, were living in Carlton that were, were us uh, because so, I had so, to get
0: so, out. So, so that's, what's that? That's... Um 86, so there was any such thing as child services involved?
1: Yeah, it? absolutely there was, because I, I had my 17th birthday in Tirana, mm. and I spent my 15th year in Baltara, which are child, you know, uh, justice systems. Yeah. Uh, and so there, there was child services, a little bit different, like there's cat teams today. Yes, yes. Um, back mm-hmm. then, but it's also difficult when you've got a child that's very strong-willed. I was very street smart because that's how my brain had been, I suppose, had grown, mm. I had to protect myself. And yep. so I was always able to do that. Yep. Um, you know, I would tell my and parents... And
0: obviously you look physically able to look after
1: yourself. I can physically look after myself. Yep. Um, but back then, too, you know, there's a... I had no fear. Right. Uh, you know, I think when you go through what I went through, there's, there's really nothing that anyone can do to you that you haven't already had. Mm. Um, but I know that a lot of it was guilt. So I wanted to get away from my parents because I felt terrible. Mm-hmm. For what I was doing. I was putting holes in the walls. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they'd given everything up, so it was yeah. not a pleasant place for any of us to be.
0: No. All right. So what, you just left one day? I left one day, yeah. I yeah. well, just went to see your mates in Coal?
1: Yeah, you? I was hanging out with people that were three and four years older than me. Mm-hmm. No. Were, you, were you a big lad or were you no. small? No. Well, I think I thought I was a lot bigger than I was.
0: Oh, <laughs> okay. right. yeah. Can I ask you another question? This is interesting. Because you say your uh, surname's Martin... Is that the name on your birth certificate?
1: So I have two birth certificates. Right. Tell so my name. original name was Robert Alfred Walsh. That's, that's a nice sound. Got a little bit of a Robert ring to it, doesn't it? Walsh. Walsh. That's yeah. Very good. You should, yeah. yeah.
0: You, could, you could be knighted, like your, a...
1: like my father. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, that's you know.
1: I strive to be knighted somewhere. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when did you adopt the name Martin? You said you got.
1: So I think my my parents. Um, I, I probably wanted to put a stamp on it, you know, right. this is, he's our son, and, and right. why not?
0: Why not? You are legally adopted. So.
1: Legally adopted, and if I'd gone to school with a, as a Welsh and my parents were a mom, that would have been another issue.
0: Which in the 70s a big yeah. issue.
1: Yeah, in the 70s.
0: So, right. so how, did, how did you survive
1: at 14, in turn, financially? Not, not easy, not easy. You know, I was able to get... I got a uh, youth attendance, uh, youth uh, money, which you Mm -hmm. could get, which was part of whatever they used to call it in the human services. I could get it back then. Um, And you just survive, I suppose. I mean, I did sell some of my... (laughs) So I was going to a, a private school at right. the time mm-hmm. and I had an account at Bob Stewart's where they used to sell accounts, uh, uniforms. uniforms. And occasionally yeah. I would go in there and put them on the account and, sell it, yeah. and then I would sell them. Yeah. My yeah. entrepreneurial skills. So, you know. starting <laughs> off there.
0: <Just> look after <laughs> your blood time, yeah. My <laughs> father slightly there. Yeah. Entrepreneurial skills. All right, so things are brilliant. You're a young man. You've Today, very young, yes. Yeah. And Beltara... You know, in the juvenile justice system, do you think there was a moment when you
1: felt that things began to change? I had a moment in in uh, Tirana mm-hmm. There was a young man, a, an older man, Toby, who was, you know, a guard or a social worker in there. Yeah. And he came in to my cell, mm-hmm. and he said, "Rob, you're not like the others here." Because at the time, when I walked in there, I'd actually walked in with private school clothes because I was actually attending Trinity Grammar at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I went in there and, you know, and I started to think about it. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he said, I want you to come for a walk with me, Rob. How old were you? I had had my 17th birthday in there. So okay. 16 when I went in there and 17th, 17th birthday. Mm-hmm. And so as I as he was walking me up to a, a different particular area, I didn't realise what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He took me into Poplar House, mm-hmm. which is the maximum security. Yeah. Put me in there and he said, Rob, just go and sit in here for a minute. You know, just, I'll be back soon. Mm-hmm. As he walked off, the doors closed. Mm-hmm. And this is maximum security. You know, I realise, yeah. you know, I'm a private school boy, you know, yeah. being street smart. Yeah. But this is something that you, go, you look at and you think, you know, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then this big blonde guy came up to me. Mm-hmm. He was in the cell. I didn't yeah. see him when I walked in there. <laughs> And so that clearly set me up. Right. Yeah. Clearly set me up. And then, yeah. you know, the big guy said, you know, take your clothes off. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then the doors opened. And, you know, Toby said to me, he said, this is where you're ending up, Rob. Mm-hmm. This is where you're going to go. Now, you may think that you can take on the world. Mm-hmm. You may mm-hmm. think, but he said, you are bright. You're smart. Do something good. And I'll never forget it because at the time I said, you know, obviously I'm not intimidated by anybody, no. but it was a life-changing moment mm. and it really, really was. And I mean, there's a few of those life-changing moments for, you know, I had a couple of school teachers that were very similar mm. that would, um, you know, put you in your place but then listen to you yeah, and have a, you know, a genuine interest. Mm. Um, and I think that's where I started to turn the corner whilst I was in there.
0: How long were you in there for? Three months. Three months, uh, Want, Not long. You want to tell us the charge? Or? Uh,
1: well, I was hanging out with the wrong groups and I was assault on police oh, and I it right. was. Uh, so you the know, usual? Usual stuff in a yeah. gang, assault on yeah. police, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. all of these sorts so of in things. And
0: three months. When you came out, what did you do?
1: Well, just before I came out, having my 17th birthday in there, mm. you're supposed to be transferred. Yep. Were you supposed to get transferred to?
0: Pentridge. Pentridge, yeah. yeah.
1: Two other people got transferred because I was part of these people. I was part in there where if someone was really getting angry, they'd send me in to talk them down. Yeah. yeah. So I was had the, the capabilities of talking to the other people. Mm. And Toby said, I'm giving you this chance, Rob. Mm. Well, the two people that got transferred were beaten severely in Pentridge. Yeah,
0: in those days, it was normal.
1: Yep. Beaten in Pentridge badly. Mm. And that would have been me. Mm. And true. so it was one of those times... Uh, You know, when we talk about the judicial system today, Mm. they're not doing this. They're not teaching these kids. Mm. You know, they're allowing them just out again. But that was a turning point for me.
0: Mm. Mm. So, when you left, what did you do that was different?
1: Uh, I think I thought twice about, you know, opening my mouth in certain areas. Um, You know, I I think just things slightly changed. I went and found a job. I was, you know, so you never finished high school. Um, so, so after being asked to leave all of these different schools, yes, yes. I decided I want to get Year Twelve, mm-hmm. and so I went to Swinburne right. um, in Box Hill.
0: This was after you got the job or before?
1: Uh, this is before. Right. So I, and I went in, so what I did is I did Year Eleven and Twelve in the one year. Right. Right. Because they were different sort of classes. They were mm. four-hour classes. Mm um and you know you, you talk to the teachers as we're talking today mm. and i got an a plus in psychology mm. and this is coming from a guy that was you know mucking around and and no, so i no, felt no, good
0: no, no 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 you got an a plus in psychology for a reason because you'd lived life you were yeah, 100%. Very smart yeah that's why you got a plus yeah. other people are reading it from books yeah you it, for, for you it came from from your learned experience yes Obviously, if you didn't get an A+, plus, I would have been disappointed. Yeah. Look, it's uh, 4.31. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. We're speaking to, is it Doctor or Mr... Sir,
1: I'm happy to go with Sir, sir tonight. All right, sir sir I think. Robert Martin. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Any middle name, Alfred still? Uh, well, we've got Alfred uh, Daniel. Alfred like, we could really make it like a really uh, posh uh, name. Uh, <laughs> have a little <laughs> chat about his life and uh, you could write a book. Robert, Ever thought about it.
1: You know, I, I, had a, uh, I had someone approach me uh, maybe about 10 years ago and ask right. because yeah. of uh, you know, the bits and pieces. Yeah. I'm sure we've missed a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, but well, well, we've
0: still got another half hour, mate. We haven't missed anything. We will be not be missing anything.
1: <laughs> it's a one-hour program. No music, no community announcements. Well, you just did one. No. 855-3CR.
0: That's, that's, a, that's a spot check. Okay, that's a spot check, okay. So people know who they're listening to. <laughs> All right, let's get back. So, what was your first job?
1: First job, I worked at a 7 Eleven. Mm-hmm. So, I worked at a 7 Eleven. Um, I was doing the night shift. Right. Uh, you yeah.
0: saw these blokes come
1: in, you thought that could have been me. It could have, yeah, <laughs> yeah it could have been me. They were with the balaclava over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, you know, so, that, that was interesting. Yeah. The. Um, I, you know, I wasn't the most reliable of workers, but, you know, I was there earning the money, and, yeah. I, you know, and it's yeah. a big difference when you actually have the money. That's right. You know, yeah. you have a sense of, of purpose, yeah. and so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed doing that. Um, so I did that for a few years, and then I, I became a, an Electrolux salesperson, so I used to door knock. Door
0: knock. This is, this is the man who was so angry that he ended up in Tirana,
1: and now you're Door knocking. Door knocking. Right? A, you, know, you could be pretty patient, or, or you just stand people saying bye. No, people. No, it, was, it, was, it was it was great fun. I enjoyed it, and whether yeah. it was whether it was the chase. What, what were we actually selling? So a vacuum cleaner right. and electrolux. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And I'd walk around. You know, it was areas like Northcote and, and these yeah. different areas. And yeah. sometimes, you know, they say, oh, you know, no English. No English. Yeah. And I would always say, well, so, oh, this is not your fifty dollars I found on the doorstep. <laughs> And they would look at me and they go, No, where, where, where? And I said, Oh, so the English is okay. Okay. How about we have a chat? And then, you know, you catch them out and they feel a bit embarrassed. Um, And look, you know, I did that for for quite a while. What's quite a while? A couple of years.
0: How many sales would you make in a week?
1: Well, I worked six months a year and then took six months off.
0: So you you made enough?
1: Well, I had a pretty fugal life. It was alcohol and cigarettes at the time. That's all I needed. Alcohol and
0: cigarettes, yeah. where'd you live?
1: Uh, I was living in, uh, not Ivanhoe, uh, Grange Road, what, Thornbury, Thornbury. What, what, a community
0: house? Or no, no, one bedroom flat. One bedroom flat, so you made enough to have six months. So what did you do in these six months off when you were a young man that you can tell us about?
1: Well, I can tell you because it, it's, it's part of uh, something that I talk about these days about mental health. I, um, you know, I would have times where I couldn't leave the house. Uh, you know, All of a sudden you have a sense of, uh, you know, I'm not worthy. I, you know, those sorts of things. And when you're a salesperson, yeah. you can't be like that. Yeah. You have to be. And you know, I've got a very up there personality. You know, I'm, you know, I'm out there and I'm yeah. upbeat. Yeah. But when I'm not, people notice, and it's very, very hard. And so it's a matter of getting through. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there were times where I couldn't do it. Yeah. And so, you know, I had a really, really good boss who used to come and knock on my door and say, so you know, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, but you know, it, it taught me. It taught me people. Because you learn a lot when you're in the, in, you know, in the house chatting with people, so exactly. it, was, it was great fun. Mm-hmm. But also at this time, I, I, um, because I've got a 25-year-old daughter today, right. so I was 20 right. when she arrived, mm-hmm. and I had moved into a one-bedroom flat mm-hmm. trying to make some money mm-hmm. and had a you know, small child. So all of a sudden... So what, were you the primary care caregiver? was the primary caregiver, yeah.
0: Right. So you were looking after your little daughter...
1: I was, and her mother was there as well. Her mother there was yeah, there too. Yeah, right. yeah. So Sorry, were, was it, was the, the primary the financial year? state.
0: No, but there were the three of you together. The three of us, yeah. Right, right. Did that relationship last? Or?
1: No, no, it didn't. No. No, I came home one day, and uh, they'd actually moved out. Right. So, uh, <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, maybe, may, I thought, maybe, is this over, or, you know, they've yeah. gone on a holiday. You know, walked in, the fridge there was, was gone a, as was well. A,
0: <laughs> there wasn't a Dear John letter in. No, there was nothing. I mean, None. the fridge
1: is gone, and that tends to say <laughs> that, you know, it's not a holiday.
0: Well, you weren't a pleasant person, or what do you reckon?
1: Look, I I I wasn't ready. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I wasn't ready. I was still, you know, ha- hanging out with the lads, having a few drinks, yeah. Yeah. Um, and doing those sorts of things. I never ever uh, didn't care for my daughter, mm. and because uh, you know, I believe that mm. you have a child. Your responsibility, obviously, is to look after. Her. So I saw her all the time, right. but we didn't live together. Right.
0: But you had access. Okay. Had access. Oh, that's good. So Most there, of the time. There wasn't, there wasn't these huge...
1: Oh, no, there were there some horrible times nice. when she got older, yeah.
0: No, no, but not the daughter. I'm just saying these huge illegal wrangles. The, there, was a,
1: there was a few uh, when she got older, uh, and my, my daughter, Sarah, hi, Sarah, mm-hmm. ended up living with me. All she right. moved in with me when she was about 14 years old.
0: This is your, this is your eldest daughter? My eldest daughter. All right. Okay, so what comes after Mr Electrolux Mayor? For a living, did you do a living anymore, or did you kind of, or did problems arise? No, so I did
1: real estate school. Right. I went and yeah. studied real estate and got my full license. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then spent some. Um, I remember I had some people say that you know you should get into recruitment, but right. it's really hard. You probably won't get in. So right. I went and got a job in recruitment.
0: Yeah you have a personality for that. You have got an outgoing personality. You can pull pull the wool over people. Everybody's eyes. eyes. Exactly. Without
1: just without the balaclava.
0: Exactly. I need a balaclava. That's where the street smarts come yeah. yeah. So
1: look, but I didn't end up doing it. I ended right. up um uh, applied for a job that was in finance and property, right. and they flew me to flew right. me to Queensland for training. And I said right. that's it. Right. Um, and then sort of I've been in the finance and property industry for you know the last twenty years.
0: Right, right. And what, uh,
1: self-employed or work? Self-employed. Self-employed. Which is very, very, very lucky considering uh, my extracurricular activities or my political views.
0: You've got political views? I can't, so, I can't believe
1: that. No, that's a surprise A nice man like you. know. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. um, but you said you've got two other kids. Two other kids. When did that come along?
1: Uh, so I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. Right, right. And uh, the fridge is still in the house? Well, I'm not in that house, <laughs> so uh, you know you're I'm not still, in there. I'm not in that house. The fridge right. is still in that house, That's but right. I am not. You're not. Uh, you right. know, I have, a, have a great relationship with their mother. Mm. Uh, you know, I was with her for you know twenty years. Mm. Um, so, you're paying, so still, a,
0: right. So you're paying maintenance for everybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you lend me some money? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I could. I could, but uh, i have to see my financial advisor. <laughs> so what does a financial advisor
1: do? Well, there's a big we, difference we, between we, financial advisors. And look, a financial advisor... That's what I'm saying.
0: We we hear all these stories at the minute. Let's no, not I even mean, talk about them. No, yeah, I don't want to talk about let's the stories. Let's not talk about up, them. But, but I want to talk about, you've made a living from it. No, so you I've, I've made a meeting
1: out of, uh, so I have a business partner who mm-hmm. was in finance and we got people loans. Right. That's part of what we did. Mm-hmm. And we utilised those loans for them to invest in property. That's part of, you know, long-term strategy. Right. Hold on to something for 20-odd years. It forces you to put money into something that will grow, mm. and that's something that I've done. I've bought properties over the years. Right, right. So, and that's a that's way you're surviving currently? Or? Uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I have a business that um, can pay me a salary mm. um, where I don't have to be in there, and, you know, I've lost interest in it, mm. and I'm studying okay. at the moment to go into the mental health sphere. Mm. And you touched on it. A while ago when I got the A-plus in psychology mm. is that I want to utilise my lived experiences mm. and if I can help some children or some mm. adults where, you know, we get mm. stuck in an area where we haven't been able to overcome our trauma, mm. depression and anxiety mm. to me are a symptom of trauma unresolved right, okay. and if I can go into that sphere, that's what I'd like to do.
0: Right. Have, have you required treatment? Uh, medication
1: or, uh... So I've been on different medications for many years mm-hmm. My first medication, I was 14
0: mm-hmm. do, you think it, do you think it's made any difference, the medication?
1: I think the medication has hampered me mm-hmm. from dealing with the actual issues
0: mm-hmm. and, and what are the actual issues?
1: Growing up, having neglected childhood, yeah. not feeling insecure, not having confidence for yeah, certain how things. How does it
0: affect you? How is it, that's what I'm interested in. How does it affect you? Working
1: six months of the year when you're a vacuum cleaner salesman mm-hmm. and then not right. being able to go. Mm-hmm. Um, suffering from depression. Mm-hmm. Um, having times where you feel worthless. Mm-hmm. Now, I personally don't believe that it is a chemical imbalance right. where all of these doctors and experts in the 70s, 80s and 90s will tell you. Mm-hmm. Because every one of these people with a supposal chemical imbalance, if you look into their past, they were either abused, neglected, not cared for, all of those things. But yet we give them medication. But every time, they have to change their medication. Every few years, they have to lift their medication.
0: And that's been your story? 100%. 100%. you're
1: on medication now? I went off them for a few months. Uh-huh. What you went <laughs> well, I went back, <laughs> you went back on them.
0: You had a lot of ideas. Yeah, I went back on them. because oh, I um, all right. well, yeah. they assist. They, they yeah. don't solve anything, but they actually assist.
1: Well, do well yeah, they do. They, they can assist you, but mm. more, more people should be dealing with the underpinning issue. That's, mm. But
0: sometimes the underpinning issues you can't resolve, and all you can do is... Uh, well, I, yeah. I think
1: that's a cop-out, too, because a lot of psychiatrists out there will say, we'll give you some medications, we'll see you in a few weeks. No, no
0: but I mean, you, how old are you now? 40? 40 40-something. 40, 40 what? Come on, come on. 45? 45, 45. All right. 72, 28, 18, 45. Mm. Uh, look, I want you to make me a promise. Today. What's that? I want a promise from you. Can you give, make me
1: a promise? Well, it depends what it is. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm going to do it. Faith. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're going to bunchy jump. Oh, you're not going to do it. No, 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 no. Oh. You're
0: going to bunchy yeah, jump. 100%. Emotionally. I want you to have a 50th birthday party. Oh, interesting. I want you to have a 50th birthday party. Are you going to come? Yes, if you invite me, if I'm alive. Because at my age, you never know.
1: Well, well you're looking good. <laughs> For all the listeners out there, you are. You're a good-looking man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Robert. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Maybe we'll meet after the interview.
1: <laughs> now, no, seriously,
0: I think you said to me, I don't do birthdays. This is one way of actually, I reckon, moving into a next phase. I like having, it. Having a big I like gift birthday party. Bring the kids along. I like I it. Invite them. If they got kids, they can come. Have those okay. family snaps you can put up on the wall. Yeah, 100%.
1: The, I mean, the, and they're all things that... Because, uh, you because know, not,
0: you're not wanting to do those things, I think, is is, is a cop-out. Yeah,
1: that's true. Hmm. That's true.
0: So, 50th birthday, I want an invitation. Okay. And, and I will come. And I'll even bring a present. Really, really? Yeah. Okay, done. Okay. You'll find me here at 3. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dead. All right? No, no i mean, serious. I mean, it might, I fall. Mean, it well, might fall on a Wednesday. I think we've, we've lost the fact that milestones are important. Yeah, especially I if you've got... You, of course you, I you don't have a religious belief, do you? Do you have no, i not. That's no. what I'm saying. If you haven't got a religious belief, you need, you need to celebrate milestones. Mm. That's true. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you said you've got a radical political
1: philosophy or agenda. When did all this start? Well, I don't know if it's radical. All right. I don't think it's radical because yeah. the, my, my belief is equality. That's and maybe that thing. is radical That is very
0: radical, that is radical. That is a, So are you talking about equality of opportunity or equality?
1: Equality, uh, I, I won't stand for bullies or right. oppressed people right. um, And I've become very active within the Palestinian movement
0: Right, When did that start?
1: So 2014 mm-hmm. So what happened? Well, We'll go back and stand yeah. I have a best friend who was Palestinian mm. for 20 years well, He used to tell me everything What's his name, or her name? His name is Nasser. Right. For 20 years he told me Mm -hmm. what the Palestinians were going through and what Israel was doing to them. Mm. So I would hear that on my left shoulder. Mm. And on my right shoulder I would hear all of our mainstream media Mm. Mm. that were always using a rhetoric that the Palestinians were terrorists Mm. and that the Israelis just wanted to live in peace. Mm. And so I bought it. So for 20 years of him telling me this...
0: So well, he was a good mate. He's a good mate. Best mate. Best mate. What, he lived in the same house or well,
1: I had, had coffee anybody. with him? No, no, he was my business partner. He was your business
0: partner. Right, and he had coffee. So,
1: he had yeah. All well, there's nothing more important no, no, than well, a business there, partner. You know? no, 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 but there, there was times too where there was, yeah. you know, the Gaza strikes yeah, and yeah. you'd go into his office and he'd be crying. Yeah. And he'd say, you know, well, if the kids look like your kids, Rob, yeah. you would understand. Right. Now, has he got kids? He's got three kids. Right. His brother's got, you know, three kids right. and they all live together and they're, mm. you know, very, you know, right. like that. And so during the 2014 last Gaza strike, Mm. I started reading a little Mm. bit. And I thought, oh, you know, there's 500 kids being killed. How's this happening? So I dug a little bit deeper and I got right into the the different media and I was really starting to read. And I started to find things that didn't work, didn't match. I started posting on different media outlets. Right. And because I'm a white guy who's an atheist or agnostic, who is not a Jew or a Muslim, Yep or Palestinian, yep. people seemed to be listening yep. to what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I, you know, people were replying and my posts were getting shared. Mm. But a very common thing was that, how do you know you've never been?
0: Mm.
1: So I said, okay. So I went. You went. So went. I went over there. I've been, been there twice. It was, was 2015, 2015. The, and first, last
0: time. the yep. first time. The first time. So how hard was it to get into ga- Gaza? And well, I didn't go to
1: Gaza. They won't let you into Gaza. Oh, no, and straight no. after 2014, right. everything will stop. They won't even let uh, Human Rights Watch in there, right. or any of these agencies. So, so where, did, where did you go? So I went all the way through the through the West Bank. Right. So right. you know Jerusalem, all the occupied territories. That's
0: right. And and, and uh, what did people think?
1: What did I think?
0: Now what did they think? Who's they? People you met. Right. They think, what's this bloke doing here? Yeah, they did. Yeah.
1: So. The only way to find out what's going on is to go and see yourself in an uncensored way. Mm-hmm. So don't go on tours, don't do anything. Right. So I wandered through right. villages. Mm-hmm. And the Palestinians could have thought that I was a Jew.
0: That's right. Could have thought you're a Mossad agent.
1: Anything. Yeah. Uh, they welcomed me. Hmm. And they said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Australia. And they would say, welcome, come in. Hmm. They just wanted their stories to be heard. Right. And during some of the days, I, got, you know, I ended up being in the middle of... Israeli soldiers and communities. And I did a video, my first video I ever did from there, ended up doing a couple of million views Mm -hmm. because I was in this particular village called Mm Baleen, which is occupied. Soldiers came up and they were taking uh, children's play equipment. And so I went up to the soldiers and I was filming it. And I said, you know, what are you doing? And this is an area where they don't need to be. So it's a completely Palestinian village. They don't need to be there. Mm. And so what they were doing was provoking by taking it. They also said to me that, move or we'll shoot you. Mm -hmm. I said, I ain't going anywhere. Mm. So the soldiers didn't know what to do because I also said that I have cameras on the hill Mm -hmm. and I have cameras over there so you can shoot me, but it's going to get caught because I know what you're capable of. Mm. I had a number of Palestinian kids behind me. Mm. They weren't moving until something was said in Arabic, broken Arabic, mm. and everyone ran. Mm. And I found out afterwards that they had said to the Palestinians, if you don't move, we're going to shoot him. Yep. And so only when my life was in danger did they Absolutely. leave. Yep. And it's amazing. So when I um, you know, I, I went to some of the, the rallies and the peaceful marches, they were always worried about me. Yep. Not worried about themselves, right. worried about me. Well, the flip side, when I walked through Jerusalem, I would talk to some Israeli Jews and I would say, what do you think of the Palestinians? Mm. The typical responses would be, I've never heard of a Palestinian. They don't exist. And then you would push a little bit further and they'd say, well, they're all terrorists. Mm. They just want to kill us all. And I would always end with a question saying, have you met one? Mm. Why would I talk to those filthy animals? Mm. Why would I talk to those terrorists? And so it dawned on me that this rhetoric... Is being taught both sides. But then when I drove around, there's signs. It's against Israeli law for Israelis to enter into these Palestinian areas. That's right. And the sign says it could be Mm -hmm. fatal. So not only do the Israelis want to scare us, they're scaring their own people.
0: Well, you need the the fear to allow you to do what, what they're doing. But it
1: works. And so I was—I was a subconscious racist.
0: Yeah, well, we do the same thing with the uh, asylum seekers at Nauru and uh, Manus Island. We don't actually humanise them, the government doesn't allow us to see them as no. human beings we don't see photographs, we don't see stories it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: it's exactly right, they have to demonise them and I think I- I- any, any colonialistic regime in the past has always had to demonise mm. the indigenous Allies,
0: people they, uh, to, yeah, I mean, the same thing happened to the Jews during the Second World War 100%, 100% and, and for, for centuries yeah. you know, you know, they're all crooks and you, you hear that shit all the time and they, know, just they just want to live
1: yeah. and so so I became quite active, and I've been over twice. Well, well, I'm now barred well, from Israel or well, Palestine.
0: You went back the second time. So I went last year. Yep.
1: Um, and you know, did some some more videos. Mm.
0: Um. So where do people find these videos? Uh,
1: well, my YouTube channel was just terminated. That's
0: just all right.
1: <laughs> But if um, I mean, you can Google Robert Martin's stuff will come up. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of hate pages. Yeah. But they could also, you know, Google pages like APAN, which is a um, which is the Australian Palestine Advocacy Network, mm. which is Australian one. There's also BDS Australia, which I'm a part of. Mm. But if you Google Robert Martin on Facebook, you'll find all of my videos. Mm. Um, so they are on Facebook you They're know, on Facebook they're, they're, So they're still accessible Still accessible There's a lot of Robert Martins How do we know it's you? Oh, I'm the one that is the raving Palestinian Or the, you know, if, if you think for the other side They'll say that I'm the terror supporter I'm an Islamist terror supporter So you find me from both sides Right, right, right. So you um, went back in 2016 uh, Last
0: year Last year, 2017 2017 So where'd you go back? What parts?
1: Uh, so I went to Hebron Yep um, you know, so the first time I thought I knew everything mm. And this was you know, in Berlin And then when I went to Hebron It was incredible what I saw because what did you see had what, such an impact on you? The, the blatant racism um, And the settlers, the Israeli settlers That can run through these streets Now Hebron is an area where there's, you know, there's 250,000 Palestinians mm. But there's only a few thousand Israeli Jews there mm. But they're put right in the middle mm. for provocation mm. now, It's not the soldiers you need to worry about you, you can picture this. There's a, you know, there's a couple of shops there. I'm sitting there having a coffee with, you know, the Palestinians, you know, talking, and I see these white guys running up and down. They've got, you know, uh, cream pants and a white t-shirt. And They've got M16s on their shoulders. Mm. These are the settlers that are running around everywhere. Mm. One of them had an Uzi. Mm. Now, who's protecting who? Mm. It's just so, you know, it's so bizarre, and um, I. Uh, as I was leaving Palestine this time, I was pulled aside, mm-hmm. intimidated, and they said, you'll never come back again. How were you intimidated? By the Israelis. Never no, how? Uh, we are put in a room, a couple of big blokes come in, where have you been, um, what have you been doing, we know Toronto, everything that you've Toronto been. Oh, the thought yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I said, look, you know, good luck. I said, if you don't hit me, I'll head by the walls, yeah. so you actually look like you've beaten me, so there's no problem. Yeah. Uh, well, in the end, they realised that they couldn't intimidate me, mm. but because some of the videos I had done in Hebron had gone viral mm. and it's a white guy mm. yelling at Israeli soldiers or asking questions mm. um, they went nuts and they went a lot of on a lot of the big news sites and that's when I think the Israeli government was probably notified to say that you know there's a guy here that's making a little bit of trouble right. and so you know they so don't and want and me so to go no, back
0: you're barred. You have apart again for a tourist either.
1: No. no, I have to do it three months in advance, okay. and I have okay. to do it from here, you have to do it which from is a nice way to say that you know, don't come. Don't come.
0: All right. Okay. So, what, what did you learn
1: <laughs> from your trips? I, I learned that when we look at mainstream media, we really need to look at it. We really need to write, to to look at what the end result is that that news outlet wants. Mm-hmm. I, look, I, I read a it's called the Hasbro Guide. Mm. And it's a guide that all of these news outlets use. Every time they use the word Palestinian, they'll use the word terrorist. Every time they use the word Israeli or Jew, self-defense. Mm. And there's a way that they structure the rhetoric. Every time an Israeli dies, they say it's a loving father or mother with, mm. you know, with kids. Mm. Every time a Palestinian dies, it's just terrorist with no nothing else. Mm. And so we are programmed. And so I learned that drastically. I also learned that there's a colonialist Regime going on today. What we did to the Aboriginals, this is—it's the same that's going on over there, except that they're using American-made weapons. Mm-hmm. What we did to the Aborigines is horrific. I mean, some of the stuff that you know John Pilger has written about—we they're doing it over there. I also learned that there's countries over there that say that they're a democracy that allows their citizens to assassinate that's or true. to execute.
0: Yeah, people say there's no. There's no capital punishment in Israel, but obviously there's extrajudicial executions all the time. That's the way it goes.
1: So, so when I was there, I, yeah. I, sp- I spoke to a, a guy called Iyat, and he um, he had filmed an execution mm.
0: Mm.
1: of a Palestinian that was incapacitated. Well, that's right. So I was with him in his family. This is in Hamron. Yeah. Soldiers come past all the time and intimidate his family. Mm. This particular Israeli soldier mm. is out of prison. Mm-hmm. He was on all of the shopping bags, like a Coles or a Woolies, mm, a his hero. face yeah. as a hero. Yeah. And so if that doesn't say to us mm. that we're okay with blatant racism towards non-Jews, mm. Mm. I don't know what yeah. does. And it's, you know, yeah. it's sad.
0: Well, let's, go, let's go back to what's happening in Gaza in the last 48 hours. Do you think that's opened the world's eyes? Because it's a little bit hard to justify sh- k- shooting killing one in 500 people at that a that basically peaceful protest.
1: You can't justify it because you can't justify the fact that they in one day shot 11 journalists. Mm. One died, but 11 journalists mm. that have clearly press on them, mm. clearly press. Mm. You can't shoot someone that has no legs. Mm. The other thing that they justify is they say they're coming near the fence. What people don't talk about is the fact that Israel has taken more land there's not just one fence, there's mm-hmm. two. They have a buffer zone. Yeah. Now, if we had here a policeman shoot two people, mm-hmm. we'd be talking about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. These army officers are killing these people from 100, 200, 300 metres away. Mm-hmm. So there's no imminent danger. Yeah. There's none. And so our rhetoric is they're Hamas supporters. Mm-hmm. 14-year-old. Ambulance drivers, reporters, mm. they're human beings. Wow. And the biggest thing is they're, they're, you know, the march has been doing it for 70 years. Yeah. It's the Nakba, which is their catastrophe. Yeah. So
0: what, what's happening in Melbourne?
1: So on, on Saturday, uh, we have a, an event. Uh, it's the Nakba. It's for Palestinians, the catastrophe. It's the year when Israeli state forcibly expelled three-quarters of the Palestinian population from their villages and homes. Mm -hmm. So to this day, it's a mourning day, you know, with them we're in mourning. It was one of the first acts of the ongoing process of ethnic cleansing and dispossession of the Palestinians from their lands. All right, we know know all that. To ask people to come.
0: Where, where, where? So
1: on Saturday, uh, it is going to be on the steps of um, the State Library. Right. So come down there at 12 o'clock tomorrow. 12 o'clock. On Saturday. Saturday. 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock on Saturday. Um, And bring your kids. I always bring my kids Mm. because it's not a protest, Mm. but it's a stance to say, hey, the Mm. Palestinians have been lost or left alone or forgotten Mm. for 70 years. Mm. We want to go home. Mm. And to hear some of the stories of the Palestinians here Mm. is heartbreaking. Mm. And so this is what this is.
0: Now, have you got any... Words, parting words for maybe the, the one young person that is listening to this program.
1: Um, live life to the fullest. Mm. Don't believe everything you read. Dig beyond the headline. Mm. Be nice. Stay human. Mm. Everybody is going through a hard time. Rather than ask why people do their actions, ask them what's going on in their life. Mm.
0: And if people want to listen to you at 3CR, what program are you involved
1: in? So we have a a radio show called Palestine Remembered Mm -hmm. and it airs at 9.30 on a Saturday morning and we talk all things Palestine. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we have music, but we have up-to-date things that are going on uh, and also how people can get involved.
0: Right, right. And how can they get involved?
1: They can email the show, Palestine Remembered, Mm -hmm. um, or they can uh, email APAN Mm -hmm. uh, or call in. Call
0: in. You, you take callers then, of course, on the day, of course. It'll be An interesting program. How long have you been involved
1: with it? Since 2015, I got seriously involved with with Palestine. Right. The last two years, I've been on the on the radio show. Right. right. Well, that's
0: excellent. All right. All I can say is I'm looking forward to your 50th birthday party. Fantastic. Because I think I think it will be a, a great milestone. I mean, you've lived an extraordinary life. You've made something of it. Uh, a lot of people in your situation wouldn't have made something of it, as the, Mr. As Toby told you. This is very where true. you could have been Very this true. This is where yeah. you could have been So thank you very much Thanks uh, for having me No, it was a pleasure And um, keep us informed about what's going on Absolutely All the best for the future And all the best And uh, I'm looking forward to that 50th See you at the 50th Fantastic See you there. No All the Bye. best, bye-bye Right, we've now got the next program Who's running in And they are wonderful people And they will get this organised Here we go Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419
1: 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent.
0: 3CR Radiothon 2018, fight for your might. The 3CR annual Radiothon fundraiser is almost here. From June the 4th to the 17th, we're asking you to help us stay on air by making a generous donation. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. To donate, call... 03-94198377 94198377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au 3CR Radiothon 2018 Fight for your mic <laughs>